0: Hello, my name is Connor, and I'm Jason, and you are listening to the Amaze and Perplexed podcast.
1: As we uh, said last week, uh, we are jumping into the story of Elijah, and uh, we're not going to read the text. There's just a lot of text that we're going to be potentially covering uh, this this morning, this episode. We're going to talk about verses 1 through 16. Um, I'm going to do a quick overview of kind of what happens, and then we'll go back through and process just some of the things we saw. I uh, A couple things to know about this. I'm in 1 Kings 17, beginning of verse 1. First time we've met Elijah, based on the timelines I looked at, he's in his mid-20s, which I think is interesting because I've always perceived him kind of as an old man. Uh, But uh, he's in his mid-20s, and he shows up, and he shows up with this huge declaration, and I think a risky declaration, uh, that he says that there will be no rain. And he says this to a king who's been in power for a while, uh, King Ahab, and he says, hey, there's not going to be any rain. for the next few years Uh, and then he leaves which makes sense you know partially because if I was him I'd be like that's a pretty bold prediction you know to predict I'm controlling the weather here. yeah and then God's like you probably want to go somewhere
0: else and I've actually let me just I'm going to set you up here I'm going to make sure you're okay I'm going to make sure you have water and food and I'm going to provide for you Um, and then uh, and then God calls uh, Elijah away after uh, his his water source uh, dries up and he encounters this woman
1: yeah, and this woman, uh, you know, she's experiencing this. Obviously, it'd be a drought, and uh, I guess famine level, you know, uh, implications because of this functional curse that that Elijah has declared. And so God directs him very specifically to this one widow. Uh, and when he gets there, he's like wanting some food, and and she's like, "Look, we we don't have anything, uh, and uh, and we're we're down to the last of it." And he basically says, "Look, God has told me that if you if you you know feed me, if you take care of me." Your oil and your flour will will last miraculously is the assumption, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, she went and did what he t- said, and the jar of flour, I'm in verse 16 now, was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken. So this is this, the whole thing is kind of an introduction. We don't get much of a character introduction, simply a... This guy is in in you know I was going to say cahoots that word <laughs> I've said that word a long time he, he's he's connected with God and there's real power uh, you don't get any big introduction you know mm-hmm. it's just like here he is cahoots with God definitely sounds like a youth group game that <laughs> that somebody would come up
0: in two thousand eight <laughs> that I wouldn't want to play so. Just- <laughs> But you would have forced those teenagers to play. I would have. Uh, so just to kind of reiterate, this will be the last time that we, maybe last time for a little bit, we kind of talk about the process. But we're, we're, we're not going to do direct amazing perplex, but we're just going to kind of take that spirit and try to process through this. Uh, so f- the first thing that, that has kind of really stuck out at me, and again, there's not directly a um, a narrative break where we're stopping in 16. Uh, but it, you were just finishing up that explanation. And I was struck by um, how there at the beginning of the first the first bit that we see Elijah um, is, I don't know if anti-miracle, like, I, I don't know if anti-miracle is, is the right word, um, but there's this horrific drought that's taking place and it seems like God is causing it. Um, and then it is, for me, there's this parallel now with God is providing supernaturally. And I don't know how to, what to do with that. Like, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit here. But yeah, I, I'm just noticing,
1: um, I'm just noticing the parallel there yeah yeah that is that is interesting Uh, where it hits me is everybody else i mean this is not an isolated from what we can tell this isn't an isolated uh drought just for king ahab's house Mm -hmm. you know it's for the whole nation for the whole area and um it it makes me wonder what does god expect of their people when they have wicked leadership yeah you know now this is different than today's leadership than our american president to the extent that uh, the king dynamic, obviously, it was demanded by the people way back with King Saul, and but God gave it to him. He said, "Hey, you know, Samuel was like, I ain't giving it to him, and he's like, No, give him, give him the king they want, you know. And it's, the king is going to be very exacting, and it's going to be tough, and it's going to be trouble. And the people are like, Yeah, give it to us, you know." Um, That's like me eating a Taco Bell. It's going to cause all <laughs> this trouble, but I'm like, nah. I want what I want when I want it, you know. So anyway, and
0: that's never worked out poorly for you, yeah,
1: exactly. So anyway, so here we are, generations later, and the people are still. I, w-
0: I would love to see you use that illustration in, a bunch- in front of a bunch of
1: old ladies. <laughs> there you go. I'll work on it. But you know, this is reaping what they've sown, and yeah. they have this king that's that's very wicked, and you know, he's been in power I don't know four or five years at this point, and God's like, I'm bringing this judgment, and he uses Elijah. It's fascinating to me on a storytelling perspective um, because God could have shared so many details. He could have started with Elijah when he was ten and fifteen and twenty-two, and you know, built up to this time. But it's just like, bam, he's on the scene, and and it, so yeah, it just makes me ask myself what what would could the people have done to avoid this, you know, famine to avoid this, you know, anti miracle, as you say, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's and it's fascinating because. Like just my modern sensibilities, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is right, but I feel like it's right. So right before this, um, in in chapter sixteen, uh, it will talk about why God saw Ahab as like a bad king, and and there're legitimately bad reasons. Um, but and I just just to be just to be completely honest and perfect, none of the not honest and perfect to be completely honest and clear. Uh, one of those reasons is not that Ahab caused, I mean, his actions. Perhaps God does it, but Ahab does not directly decide to have a drought in the land and have it affect and and ultimately probably kill and certainly hurt um lots and lots of people um and so yeah that that is just one of those conflicts and we can talk maybe bigger picture about how we view these things in the old testament but i think it would be dishonest to not bring that up to go like hey um man this is just like yeah these are the con this is the consequence the drought is part of the consequence of the idol worship and um, being a terrible king, but you also go like, what's worse? Like, what, what, what do I honestly in my heart feel like is worse? You know, the causing of a drought or idol worship, and, and how those two play together. Um, again, I, I don't. We're not going to come to like a firm, one hundred percent answer, but I, I think just to be genuine and honest, it just it's one of these passages. And one of these things that just continues to not sit well um, with my soul, which is maybe a good reason why we chose Elijah, because then there's another part later in the story of Elijah that does not sit well with my soul. And so processing through that is, is will be interesting.
1: I think that's really good. Yeah. If, if this was happening today, and I'm not picking on the, our particular president, I, I'm simply saying if, if the president does something that's very displeasing to God, and he says, okay, we're going to do famine throughout the land, my personal response would be, well, that's not, I I didn't vote for that guy. I didn't want him. You know, what am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? Like start a revolt? Am I supposed to, you know, shed blood? Am I supposed yeah. to storm well, the Capitol? Yeah. I mean, like, oh, gosh. like what am I supposed well, to and do? Even,
0: and even still in that, like you and I and, and adults listening still have more sway over what is the government is doing than these people that were affected by the drought would be having with the King. Yeah.
1: Right. They didn't vote him into office. Yeah. Not know? even
0: their neighbor, their neighbor didn't vote him into office. You know, there wasn't some there like at least, you know, at least if you know hypothetical president of like a TV show in twenty forty does something horrific you'd be like well fifty percent of the country kind of asks for it or you know that, that would That's not exactly – I wouldn't right. believe yeah. that but you could you could at least well maybe they're kind of getting what they're they're sowing what they're uh they're reaping what they're sowing, but like the responsibility of the people and and again now that I'm saying that out loud there is there has been a pattern of the people generally turning away from God, like mm-hmm. it, it, it at least from my reading of the Old Testament, there's a lot of it being led by leaders, um, but there
1: does seem to still be an active participation by um, by the people of God. And that's a really good point. There, there, there does seem to be a pattern that as the king goes, the people go. You know, when the king is is holy, when the king wants God, and by holy I don't mean. Perfect. I mean, there's not one that that you're like, oh, that king was fantastic. You know, all of them. We've we've spoken of David many many times in other recordings. Um, man, morally and you know, just their political power, the way they use it is not fantastic. But if they have a heart for God, if they have a desire for God at all, there's huge blessing on the country, and usually the country is in kind. So, so I think there's it is harder to make the contrast. It, it's harder for me to feel it I can know it the contrast between today where we vote for people but if the president is is a protestant catholic if they're atheist it doesn't really affect me directly in the same way that it seems the their kings did yeah. because it was such a different different pathway so that that does give me a little better sense of what does God expect you know yeah. of the people yeah so
0: I'm I'm wondering here the question that's just popping to my mind is this is, this is always a question that pops in my mind when I see something in the Bible or more specifically in the Old Testament that makes me kind of, uh, not sh- yeah, maybe like shrivel kind of a little bit kind of inside myself um, and want to avoid the question is like, does this seem like something Jesus would do? Like, mm-hmm. right, Jesus is the perfect embodiment. And he's like the ultimate representation of God. Of, of of God, like He is God, and if God is going to act on Earth like that, like He, He is the perfect example um, of what we can expect God to be doing. Um, and so, like, does does this? And I get this is kind of a microcosm of a bigger question. Like for me, this is always something I've struggled with. This doesn't seem like something that you would see um, see Jesus doing. Now, there's some different. There's some different. There's some, there's a lot of qualifications and there's a lot of ways that you can approach it. And there's ways, there are ways that I certainly feel better about it and how I reconcile the text. Um, but like, I feel like you do have to be on, like, this is not a passage you can just look over and just be like, in, in easily be like, well, different times, you know, God got happy in the new Testament. Um, you have to really come to grips with, with what you think here. Are you like, you have to decide, are my modern sensibilities off here? Um, do I completely trust the reporting of the text? Exactly. That would happen that, that when the author is speaking as God, that is happening, um, that it's not just an interpretation. Like, so there's so many different aspects. Um, and I think the thing that I want to just be honest and forthright with is that, um, it's not something as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, Jesus believed these things. He honored these texts. And so how do we reconcile them? And they can't, we, I don't think there's anybody in the sound of my voice that would be like, yeah, cool. God caused, God
1: caused a drought. And so we have to do something with that. Mm -hmm. Well, and what's interesting too, is it's not like God's hiding from this. He directs Elijah. He could have kept that brook with water. He could have kept the Ravens coming with food. Um, It's funny because on one hand, it's like the brook dried up, which we would say, oh yeah, that's a natural, that's a natural effect of when you have a drought, you know, (laughs) but He's already miraculously making birds bring him food, you know, and so he could easily miraculously keep the brook going, but he dries that up or allows it to be dried up to set the stage for him to send Elijah, maybe because Elijah, and we'll see this as the story unfolds in the coming weeks, but maybe because Elijah, he needs that cause and effect. Mm -hmm. He's not just like, hey, it's perfect here. Let's go someplace else, you know. Maybe he needed Elijah to stress a little bit about as he sees the brook drying up. He's like, "Now," but either way, he directs him to this woman. And according to uh, verse 12, she's like, I can't help you because I'm just gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So it's like God's not hiding from this reality that he created to open the eyes of the people, open the eyes of Ahab, maybe lead to repentance. I'm, I'm talking about hopefully, I'm not talking about what actually happens. Because he's not doing this for no reason. Yeah, He's doing it for a reason. And I can, not that I need to justify it, but based on what you're saying, which I agree with, trying to figure out how do you make this loving? You mm-hmm. know, just another framing of what Jesus does. How do you make this a loving act? Um, And and just recognize God didn't have to point out people were dying or at least anticipating death. He leads Elijah there, then does another miracle or two miracles, if you want to put one for the oil and one for the flour. But he plus, where are they get water? I mean, they don't even bring up the up that. But clearly, that's the anticipation. Yeah, and I think this is something we'll track throughout the story
0: of Elijah. Is God one? I, I think it's so important. You brought up the fact that that God is not hiding from this reality that He is helping enact, and He is not trying to minimize the details. He's not trying to hide um, the consequences and the ramifications um, of of what is going on here. Then. Also, later on in in Elijah's story, you will see um, you will see God putting Elijah in circumstances where the odds are pressed against him, um, and so this is not a, a declarative statement over over every time God acts, but there does seem to be. Um, I think there's undoubtedly a aspect of when we like th- this is just therapy one one like we will not move until it's too painful not to move. Um, <laughs> And so, like, I, there's part of it that, that goes here that you wonder, like, the, the people, they had just, they had gotten so in a rut, and they had had this long line of kings that were, especially in, in the northern kingdom in Israel, that were just despicable and evil and had turned away from their god. Uh, you, you, uh, you Part of, Again, like that's part of the way I feel, and, and not justify, but feel, feel some um, harmony with, with the text, um, realizing that uh, in my own life, unless things get really painful, I will always stick with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, and for all we know, and, and, and there were prophets that came before Elijah, um, God often tried to... We don't know the depths and the levels before this happened that God tried to move his people away from their idolatry and away from their... Um, their, yeah, their idolatrous worship.
1: Yeah. And I think that is really true. I, I think, I, I often think, okay, here's how a story ended up in the Bible in general. We've even covered some of those. Um, What if the the people involved had chosen faith early on, that they hadn't needed that, you know, the way I've heard it say that the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of change for you to actually engage in that new behavior, a new path. And I wonder if when Ahab does what he does in the previous chapter, that if the if there would have even been an outcry, if God had been like, okay, I got my people, you know, because the thing about God that I think is interesting, and I noticed it especially over the last, you know, 40, 50 years of our country, there, there's kind of an assumption, if God's kingdom is to come, then Christian people need to take power, mm-hmm. you know, like like we need to be in charge, because look what happens when we're not in charge, you know, prayer leaves the school and this, this that other happens, you know, and... I think God is is not at all interested in being in charge in the way we think. I mean I think well I I know that's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and I go back even to the I think the parable of the the wheat and the weeds that we covered several weeks ago about, you know, God creates this world and the enemy comes and sows and they're like, uh, "Hey, let's go do some weeding." and he's like, "No, let's not." And they're like, "I don't know if you've ever had a garden before but this is how this works." And he's like, "No, leave the weeds." This is leaving the wheat, you know, and I think that that's really important to recognize is God's issue here isn't I'm not in charge and I'm I'm going to lead a revolt. God's issue is my people's hearts have turned from me and I want to wake them up. You know, now the death piece of that is very challenging to us um, because we're like, well, what happens to the person that is, and I think this now, you yeah. know, what happens to the person that maybe used to be impassioned towards God, or at least a true believer, and then they just let it coast, and they're not really mm-hmm. paying attention anymore, and then they die. You know what? What happens then? What's the threshold for salvation? If you really believed in Jesus, you know, twenty years ago, and you've never said you don't, yeah, but you just kind of drift, which I think that's probably the majority of this culture too. I don't think the majority are coming and you know celebrating Baal. I mean, there's a big number. We find that out in coming chapters, but not the majority of people. I think they're just, eh, whatever. You know, they're just apathetic. And I think it's the wake-up call to them, honestly, more than to Ahab. Mm. Um, you know, and it doesn't take much. Well, it, I don't I don't want to take anything away from the big things that are coming, but in the grand scale, scheme of things, it's not a, you know, it, it's, it's like an event, you know, that happens that the vast majority are like, oh, we praise Jehovah again. You know what I mean? so it's it's one of these things that i what is what is God really after here? and I think that's consistent. He's after the hearts of his people
0: yeah no that's that's really good there's so much conversation we had there i'm sure we could talk about it for another another five hours or so um but just kind of moving on to another thing um just for time's sake uh i i find it i find it utterly fascinating the um the pair like again, this I think so much of the Bible is like is repetition and rhyming and parallels of, of what had come before, but even just you see God has this this overarching drought that takes place over the land, and it's just this massive um cataclysmic movement event. And then you have God working in the minute details of like, hey, I'm going to send a raven to bring you food. Um, and that is just so, I like, I just wonder what was going on in the mind of Elijah um, to be this instrument, to be somebody probably around my age, um, maybe a little bit younger, going through this, having God revealed to you, you are then now um, prophesy. you are now like directly going against the king of your country and you are part of this, the mouthpiece for this new crazy earth-shaking thing, new thing that God is doing here, and then now God is with you, and he's organizing to make sure um, that birds are bringing you food. Also, you kind of wonder, like, was it good food? Was it yeah. bad food? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I I, do find that, um, like, the when you think about what is to come for Elijah, like, how much of this, and again, I think God is always doing a million different things, but for specifically Elijah, um, I, I, I have to feel the fact that these things happen back to back is, is trying to communicate something to, to us about how, how one got the reality of who God is and two, um, how Elijah is, um, is, is beginning to know and, and, and be grown by God.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think something interesting that pops up there. I was thinking about the whole dynamic of the food delivery system, and I'm going to go ahead and assume it's not how they feed their babies, because I know just <laughs> enough about that for that to be terribly disgusting. But <laughs> but it is interesting that bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and it, it causes me to think often when I ask the question, hey, is God really noticing me? Is he really working in my life? And I'll have all these blessings around me, but I'll lack this one thing. And, I, and I'm like, no matter how good the bread and meat was, it, there's no indication he's bringing him a, him a variety of bread and meat. Mm-hmm. And I know meat at times was scarce in this culture. So maybe that was seen as a, you know, an indulgence and a special, and obviously from a, a dietary, you know, you're getting your carb and your, you know, your protein piece at least. There's no vegetables on the table here, unless he's eating, I don't know, some kind of plants around him. But But it's that idea of because we see this tagged as God's command and God's blessing and Elijah's God's man, we don't question that. But in my life, when my world is surrounded by drought spiritually, I feel if, if I'm getting blessing, then I feel intention. How can a good God not dot, 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 you know, or I might not might, I do start complaining about what I get really meat and bread again, like back to the Israelites with the, you know, the quail and the, and the manna it's that it's, it's interesting how, we mark i think if you hear in today's culture and and this This is certainly true in the health and wealth gospel, meaning, you know, you follow me and I'll bless you with all kinds of material things. But I think in general, if somebody, if we knew, hey, there's a person that all they've eaten for for a few years is bread and meat, and they only had a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the evening, wouldn't be like, boy, that guy's really blessed by God. We think, I wonder, I wonder what God's (laughs) doing there. Or maybe you should come to church and, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's interesting how I just accept this as, well, yeah, this is a good signal, but in any other setting, I'd be like, first of all, it's totally weird, and that's just that's not trustworthy. Trusting birds to bring you food, and then second of all, I'd be like, well, that's pretty bare minimum, mm-hmm. you know. That, that's, I mean, bread, and meat, you know, it's it's not much. And so, and, and I'm not denying the miracle of it. I'm just saying, even within the miracle, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like there's this overabundant feel
0: to it. No, that's good. And you, so you get into the timeline of like he he says he makes his declaration towards Ahab, and then. God's like get out of there go here and you just get this rapid turn of events and then you go into God telling him to leave and he meets up with the widow and the widow basically he meet, God directs it so that he Elijah meets this widow at just the right time, you know, she you had mentioned she says like, hey, I'm gonna make this bread so we can, you know, so we can all we can my son and I can lay down and die. Um, and the timing of it is just fascinating and f- kind of trying to figure out in your mind, what is God trying to tell us? And what is he trying to teach Elijah and show Elijah with the timing of it all? Like Elijah had wait, you know, how like he had been uh, doing what he'd been doing for a long time. And yet God in his wisdom decides to not move Elijah to meet this widow until she is at death's door or till she's about to give up. Um, And so like what that has to say about God's timing and how we're supposed to interact with it, I have
1: no idea. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting, the passage in James where it talks about, hey, you should pray. Think about Elijah. And I'm like, okay. And it referenced to, you know, he prayed and there wasn't a rain. He prayed. There is rain. And I'm like, okay, so how much do I internalize that? Uh, You know, how much do I... Do I say, man, this nation's going in the wrong direction? And I'm I'm not talking about even America. I'm saying wherever you live, this place is going in the wrong direction. So I'm going to go make a declaration. Well, to be clear, God told Elijah to say that. So wait for that, I would say. Um, But in general, like, how much do I engage in these areas that I don't consider, I'll say it this way, conventional? God areas, churches and, and, you know, situations, communities, you know, where it, where it goes from government. I know some people would take that and say, yeah, that means we need to be incredibly active in government, maybe even hold, you know, offices, but at the very least be incredibly active in voting and lobbying and these kind of things. And others would say, well, that's not really our affair at all, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't think this gives us a clear indication either way. Um, So yeah, I, I'm with you. There's probably just as many questions as I have answers, certainly it just stirs that thinking again for me. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. I, I think I think we should maybe also
0: just before we kind of wrap up here, touch on um on how Elijah interacts with this woman and how he um how she reacts to him and his command. Uh one, how she reacts to his commands to to feed him and also how she reacts to the unknown command that or the unknown direction that God has given Elijah that uh, she will provide him food um, and she will take care of him. So, yeah, I, there, there's just a lot there before we, before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, I think so. It, it is. It's fascinating. He tells Elijah beforehand, hey, I have directed a widow there to supply you. Uh, so what does that look like? And I think about this, like when God says, hey, I want you to go love everyone, and you go and you're like, I tried my best to love this person, and the response was, shut up, or I don't need you, or get out of here, you know? And how Elijah was just really confident, and, and even so much, so she just said, I was going to make bread, and that was going to be it, and we were going to die. He's like, yeah, I'm telling you, you can trust me with this, make the bread and give it to me. So now, mm-hmm. from... If there's no God intervention, she's now still going to die, but now die totally hungry, <laughs> you know. And so he's like, yeah, "Take the last of what you have." And so she's got a choice there: Do I trust this guy? And I, I think it's pretty amazing. I, I think it's I, I think it's always amazing when somebody trusts the unseen over the seen. Yeah, and you have to you have to commend. And again, it's not a competition, but you go, you look at the faith
0: of Elijah, and you look at the faith of this widow, and you go, "Man, the widow for me takes so much more courage to um, to." To, and, again, she doesn't have direct faith because, you know, she calls it like, your God. She doesn't have direct faith in Yahweh, um, but her faith and her, like, acceptance for going— that, Like, that takes more—I don't know if guts is the right word. Than, like, Elijah has God directly speaking to him, which, again, that doesn't mean that, you know, throughout we know that doesn't mean that— it, the person who hears God speaks is immediately going to do exactly what he does. But um, but it's a little bit easier, probably, than the situation that this widow is put into. Um, and so you have this really cool, cool scenario, right? Where you have this woman who, from what I can understand of the text, um, like, doesn't from the way that she words um when she the way she talks about you know um elijah's elijah's god elijah's lord she doesn't directly like she doesn't subscribe to the whole um yahweh thing um and so you have this you have this woman who is an idolater who or who is not um who is not part of the in crowd um and yet god wants to use her um and even when she's still skeptical God is still using her and she's still able to serve this this really cool purpose.
1: Um, some would even say reckless purpose. <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, I do want to clean something up. He doesn't ask for all of her bread. He says, Give me part of your the bread. Small so, loaf. Yeah. So she's not going to die fully hungry, just less fulfilled feel, than That been. feels worse to me. I <laughs> yeah. feel it's an all or nothing yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think in general, this whole text um, to me, and, and I mean, I, I'm eager in my own mind to, and then the next thing and the next thing that's going to happen, but just pausing here. Uh, number one, it makes me really grateful that I live in the era I do with Jesus. There's so much more clarity. Um, I, I think we think that people of faith, no matter what era they lived in, that means they just knew what to do next, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were always wise and always had you know, the best behavior. And the Old Testament in particular screams, not true, not true. We're living in a really weedy world uh, that that all of us are stumbling. And, and the operative dynamic here is... Do you trust God? Mm-hmm. Not are you doing good with God? Not not what you do yesterday, but do you right now That's trust God? Even even if you're like, I don't even know how this would work. So at some on some level, certainly Elijah just trusted God. That's good, you know. And the same for the woman, you know. The woman just like, okay, you know. I'm going to trust God, and it might be the most baseline. And I always go to Hebrews eleven. What is that? Hebrews eleven six, where it says, you know, Hebrews one or 11, 1 is like faith is being certain of what you don't see, and it's like wow, that's a tall order. But then you get to like eleven, maybe it's eleven seven, and he goes, faith is is believing that God exists, and he rewards those who seek Him. And I'm like, well, that's pretty low. <laughs> that's that's like a really low threshold there. Uh-huh. But you understand? Wait, that's what he's saying in verse one is this idea it. It is hard to believe at times there is a God. It is hard to believe He'll reward you, mm-hmm. because it can seem really egocentric. You know why? Why would you think Elijah that He would reward you and not everybody else? That He would yeah. make everybody else, and yet He's like, "I here's what I understood Him to have said," and so I'm believing it, and I'm going to assume He'll correct me as we go. That's good. I think for me, it just this just popped in my mind when
0: you're talking. I think it's important to remind, like right now, life is, you know, we live in a really, like I said, a great time to live. Um, but there are lots of people around the world and even in our city that would consider themselves in the middle of a drought. Um, they're in a situation that is not their fault uh, necessarily. And the world, circumstances, whatever it may be, has put an enormous weight of, um, of bad health, of um, of social stigma or whatever the thing may be. Like, I, there are people that we deal with every day that would either consider themselves or we would all consider to be in, in, in a metaphorical drought. And I even think about what happened recently in Turkey and Syria with the with the earthquakes and um and like I like there I, I am very confident that there are people of God who either who died in died in that in 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 that horrific um event and there are people who were deeply affected close by um who are dealing with this right now. And I think it's just, it, for me, it's so easy to be academic about it, um, about, you know, oh, in the past of how do you deal with this, but recognizing, yeah, there are there are droughts here now. And I know that there are people, you know, in Turkey who are faithful, who are, I don't understand, I don't get a God, but like, I'm going to choose to be faithful here now. Um, and I think that's the important part. It's not the answer for everything or every hard question, but it's like, okay, if I if I believe God, if I believe Jesus is the son of God, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to grapple with it? Yeah, I can wrestle, I can, you know, use different um different ways of reasoning or philosophy or, or, or just whatever it may be. Um, but ultimately it all comes back down to this of like, okay, do I believe God is who he says he is? Then I've just got to trust. I've got to trust in this moment um, and believe that he wants the best for me, that he is for me, um, and that he is going to work this off for good.
1: Next week, we're going to be looking at First Kings 17, verses 17 through 24. Just encourage you to take a few minutes to read that beforehand. Uh, and... As, with, as we always would love, if you have a thought, if you have a question, if you have a correction, you know, we, we do really want to hear from you. And so feel free to let us know uh, in whatever form that would be most uh, easiest for you. Smoke signal. Smoke signal. Uh, actually, that's what we prefer. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just really excited about how this affects me today and how my thinking uh, will be adjusted from it and pray that it's been a blessing to you as well. Yeah, grace, peace, and love.